I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan. I'm your host. And on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Y'all, it is November 13th as I am recording this episode. And I have to say, I believe November 12th was one of the biggest days in pop culture that we have seen in quite a while. And it is making me feel so buoyed, so joyous, just like I'm floating on a cloud. I felt so excited to record this intro because we just have so much to talk about. Okay, maybe we start with the most minor thing first. Countess Luann dropped her music video, her Christmas one that they recorded during this season of Real Housewives of New York. This season of Roni was famously lackluster. I think a lot of people were kind of disappointed in it. But I really loved the episode where Luann films this Christmas music video and she has all of the uh, cast members sing a little part of it. And the song just got me in the Christmas mood. It's so bad, but in that way that's just so campy and good. And the man who's the piano player in it, I mentioned this, how we saw him at Bimmelman's, but I didn't realize he was actually in the music video. I wasn't making that connection that he was the guy that well, it was in that episode when they were recording it. So keep an eye out for the piano man. I think his name is Billy Strickland. Uh, he gives a wonderful performance. He's probably the star of the music video. So that brought me a lot of joy. Uh, Paris Hilton is officially married to her now husband, Carter Room. Um, when they got engaged, I remember saying, I think this is the one that's going to stick. And as in her actually getting to the altar... And she did, and I just feel so genuinely happy for her. I think there's also something really satisfying about seeing a woman get married for the first time at 40, because so often I've kind of just resigned to the fact that maybe like marriage is not for me, and you know, that might still be the case, but I think it's really refreshing to see people like, you know, starting that chapter of their life at that age. And obviously she looks 25. I mean, she she's stunning. I loved her wedding look. It was very traditional, long-sleeved, high neck, uh, kind of like a flower applique. I just thought she was a vision. I didn't like her dress as much as the one she switched into, but I thought for her ceremony, which the flowers were all white, it, it was very traditional, a lot of whites, a lot of golds, and I felt like her dress really just fit the vibe. And I'm, I just think Carter, I hope he treats her well. I'm just over the moon. I love seeing all the Hiltons there. Kim Richards was there. Kyle Richards, Mauricio, they all looked great. Uh, It was so brutal though. My my friend Tasha pointed this out that in the uh, New York Post coverage of the wedding, they had all these pictures of the guests who attended and all of the captions were pretty standard. It was like, Kathy Hilton arrives, you know. One of the last pictures they have is of Ashley Benson, who was probably most known for her role in Pretty Little Liars. And I actually didn't know her and Paris were friends. I'm kind of curious about that connection. Uh, But the caption that the post put on it, it says, Ashley Benson looks haggard as leaving Paris Hilton's wedding. And for one, she doesn't look haggard at all. Two, that's so sexist and gross. If anything, she just looked a little tipsy, which like I would hope. I mean, if I was attending Paris's wedding, you can bet your bottom dollar that I'd be getting a little tipsy off that good champagne because you know they had good ass champagne and some caviar, some bellinis. You know the Hiltons love their caviar. So I would be having a time. I would be taking full advantage of the open bar. So you know what, girl? 
I think you looked great. And I just think it's gross that the New York Post said she looked haggard. Like, come on, guys, get with the times. It's it's so rude and uncalled for. Uh, Nicole Richie also attended, which I think we are also happy to see a little Simple Life reunion happen. She was seated by Kim Kardashian at the dinner portion. There's a really beautiful picture of them both looking back at the camera. I loved that. I loved, um, huh, I, I don't know, I could just go on. I love that BB Rexa was there. That was kind of random. I wonder if BB's worked on some like songs for Paris because BB is a prolific songwriter. Uh, one time she performed at this like really awful bar that's in West Palm, like downtown West Palm. And to this day, I'm devastated I couldn't go. And the reason I couldn't go is because I got stuck working late. And I was like, I'm missing BB. This was years ago. I think she only had had like one hit song come out. I'm to this day mad I missed that performance. But hey, I'm just glad she was at Paris Hilton's wedding. I just watched the Just Like That teaser, which also came out yesterday. I'm telling you guys, November 12th. Uh, It is for the upcoming Sex and the City reboot that's going to be on HBO Max. I honestly got chills watching it, and I didn't expect that. Um, I don't know. It was so surreal seeing them as, like, you know, fully grown women and just back on the screen. And I will definitely be tuning into that. Um, I can't wait. It, oh, I, I don't know why it gave me chills. It was also so odd because, like, she clearly is uh, recording a podcast in it. And again, I think I bitched about this when I heard that she was going to have a podcast. I'm like, can everyone just chill with having podcasts? Can we, can we give kind of cute a moment to shine? Uh, but yes, I will definitely be tuning in is the bottom line. The next big piece of news, Britney's conservatorship is officially over. The judge terminated it yesterday. There was a huge celebration outside the courthouse. So many supporters playing stronger. Again, gave me chills. I, I Again, I hope this, just like Paris Hilton's new chapter, I hope this is a new chapter for Brittany that brings uh, a lot of joy and happiness and just that that nightmare is over. But as a lot of the um, news outlets are reporting, I think there will be a pretty heavy case brought against her dad. Uh, I know her her attorney is on the war path, and I think we will be seeing that sooner rather than later. I could see that being filed within the um, upcoming weeks, kind of riding the wave of this conservatorship being terminated. And then lastly, in this perfect day of pop culture news, I mean, cue the Hoku perfect day. Taylor dropped her version of Red and the short film that accompanies the 10-minute version of All Too Well. Now, as a huge Taylor Swift stan, like a fan since her eponymous album, Red, in my ranking of Taylor Swift albums, is not near the top. I know it's a lot. It's one that a lot of people hold very dear. I don't love you know, the dramatics. I love when Taylor's at her most upbeat, a song about crushes, a song that just really gets the sparkle feeling inside. Red is very autumnal feeling and I love that. And I think maybe part of the reason I didn't resonate with Red as much is because I was at a very unhappy time in my law school career when Red came out. And I do remember listening to it as such a source of comfort. But again, there's a lot of songs on there that I just are kind of skippers for me if I'm being honest but I'm I'm finding a new love for it with her re-release which is the beauty of her re-recording all of her masters and I was very intrigued about this 10 minute version of all too well and that's so many people's favorites and I think it's because 
the lyrics in it just kind of gets you in the heart. There's so many that have become sort of the bedstone of Taylor's lyric writing. Like the fact that she, I think that was the first time she was really comparing love to a color. And that's something we've seen her do over and over again since that album. We have I Was There, It Was Rare. She's added some lyrics in the new All Too Well that people are going crazy over. The Secret and Oath lyric, um... (laughs) she drops a very oddly placed fuck the patriarchy in it which I don't know how I feel about um but clearly if if you know anything about Taylor culture you would know that all too well is uh purportedly based on Jake Gyllenhaal I mean it I would say it has the most obvious easter eggs out of maybe with the exception of Dear John which is clearly about John Mayer this one is so clearly about Jake Gyllenhaal just based on the timing of it leaving the scarf at his sister's house which is obviously Maggie Gyllenhaal and there's just like I said some added added lyrics here that uh I think are really I don't know how to say it other than just punching people in the heart So just to give a little more context on those lyrics, which I'm sure all of you guys, if you have any interest in Taylor Swift, have already listened. The short film already has 10 million views last time I checked, and it was just released at 7 p.m. last night. Uh, There's a line that says, and you were tossing me the car keys, fuck the patriarchy keychain on the ground, and fuck the patriarchy is in quotes, so it's saying that that's what the keychain says. Then the secret and oath line that people are really loving. It says, you kept me like a secret, but I kept you like an oath. Sacred prayer, and we'd swear to remember it all too well. Again, to me, that's when Taylor's songwriting is at her most beautiful. It's just like, it's so simple, but you so see what she's saying and juxtaposing clearly like the differences in how they felt about each other. Uh. She says, um, and I was never good at telling jokes, but the punchline goes, I'll get older, but your lovers stay my age. I think that's another one that people are like, oh, knife to the heart. And then he, there's a line where she says, you said if we had been closer in age, maybe it would have been fine. And that made me want to die. Ugh. Another line that has really got people talking is where she mentions some actress asking me what happened. Uh, while she's weeping in a party bathroom. And there's a lot of mm, mumblings that this is about Jennifer Aniston. Now, I think this could totally be the case because Jake and Jennifer were in a movie called The Good Girl back in 2002. So it would make sense that they would be kind of running in the same circles circa 2012. Uh, But I don't know if she would refer to Jennifer as some actress that seems a little dismissive and I can imagine Jennifer hearing this and being like what the hell but again I I think it's a very um likely stance and apparently there were some articles that came out that said Jennifer had reached out to Taylor telling her things would be okay when she was going through her breakup with Jake Gyllenhaal Now, let's get to the actual short film. So it stars Sadie Sink from Stranger Things fame and Dylan O'Brien, king of my heart. Most people probably know him from Teen Wolf. He was in the Maze Runner series. I just think he's so adorable. And he's kind of known for being a really, really nice guy. And 
that's why it was kind of painful seeing him kind of play this douchebag Jake Gyllenhaal in all too well but I think he did incredible I also think Sadie did an amazing job but it was really making me cringe with the very visible age difference, which was obviously a conscious decision on Taylor's part because when Taylor and Jake dated, Taylor was 20 and Jake was 29. And Sadie's currently 19 and Dylan O'Brien is 30. So we actually have a little bit even more of an age gap between Sadie and Dylan, but she's clearly trying to mirror that it was pretty... A, a pretty big age gap and I think in the video she's kind of showing that even though Sadie is the young one here Sadie's really carrying herself in a mature way and uh approaching the relationship with a lot more delicacy than you feel like Jake is I'm sorry you know yeah Jake's character in this who again she doesn't say is Jake but come on we all know and <laughs> The, the thing that I didn't realize, but I was reading some articles this morning, is that it flashes forward 13 years at the end, of course, 13 years. And you see Taylor doing a reading from her book called All Too Well. And at this point, it is Taylor now playing Sadie's character. And you see the character who is Jake's character looking at the book reading through the window and wearing a, a red scarf. And you only see the back of this man's head and only like half of the back of his head. But the credits at the end credit this man as Jake Lyon. Now, I have been tr having trouble finding any information about Jake Lyon other than the fact that there is a Jake Lyon who is a famous gamer. He's 25 years old. He His game of choice is Overwatch. He plays for the Houston Outlaws. Now, I am having a lot of trouble figuring out if he is actually the Jake Lyon who is in this video. But I was looking at his Twitter and he tweeted at Taylor Swift um, 12 hours ago saying it wasn't me. <laughs> so I think he's confirming that this actually wasn't him. It says, sorry, Taylor Swift, Folklore and Evermore are great, though. I'm a fan. Um, So that was kind of a letdown because I really would have loved for her to have just cast this random gamer in her music video but again I can't figure out who Jake Lyon is I was looking at IMDB and there's a few that come up um but without a ton of credits there's multiple Jake Lyons there's the first second fourth fifth um who have been in various things and I just they don't have pictures associated with them one of them works more in the camera and electrical department one's a cinematographer Oh, no, I'm sorry. There's actually only two Jake Lyons. There's Jake Lyon the first and Jake Lyon the second, and the rest are Jake Lyons plural. So, again, I, I have no idea who this man is, but I think it's hilarious that his name is Jake. And Lyon, L-Y-O-N, to me kind of seems like, you know, what is it called when a word sounds like something? It, like, it sounds like lying. You know, like when a name matches up with, I know there's a very specific thing for what that's called when your name matches up like with what your profession is so I I love that that I think was about as close as she will ever get to confirming this is about Jake Gyllenhaal but guys if you haven't watched it yet get into it because I also have a theory that the scene in the middle where they're in the kitchen and they're fighting and there's a lot of spoken dialogue that that is word for word something that went down between Jake and Taylor because you know Taylor's one of those people who has like an ironclad mind and 
I'm sure she remembers exactly how that conversation went down and it felt very raw. And I think that was also uncomfortable to watch because it had this very realistic nature to it. Um, Again, I just, I can't get over it. It's really, I might have to watch it again when I'm done recording. (sighs) Okay, so that, that's November 12th for you guys. What's your favorite song off of the vault? I love her new vault songs just in general because it's kind of like getting to experience listening to the album for the first time again like I instantly felt time warped back to law school and so far I really love message in a bottle because again I told you guys I love the upbeat shit I love when she goes pop it has a very 1989 feel to it which is one of my favorite albums of hers and she's kind of known for doing some bridge songs that kind of bridge from one album to the next thematically and sound wise and so I think it's odd actually that message in a bottle wasn't included on red the first time around and for the first time ever I am actually going to put my legit shit at the beginning because this is a very special legit shit and I was recently when I was at you know I had a few weddings and at both of those uh, my friends Anna and Eric were there got to hang out with them and got to drill Eric about his experience being a movie producer. And it was during this time that I realized I hadn't seen his movie that was his directorial debut. It's called Minor Premise. I was informed that it was on Hulu and I'm like, have I been living under a rock? How did I not know this was on Hulu? Um, It came out in 2020 and I came home, I watched it. I I'm just so impressed. I'm like, I can't believe it says like at the beginning, a film by Eric Schultz. And I'm like, I know him. I felt like such a fangirl. I'm like, I had breakfast with him the other week. He's married to one of my best friends. Um, And I I just want you guys to watch it on Hulu. It's really cool. It's sci-fi. It's sci-fi in its most pure form, I would say, because it really heavily borrows from a lot of actual science. And Eric was a psychology major at Harvard and one of the co-writers on it uh, was, I'm, I'm blanking on exactly, I'm sorry, Eric, I think it was neuroscience and biology majors, two science majors. And he co-wrote it. So a lot of it, you know, he was borrowing from that knowledge. So I thought it was very smartly written. It's it's tight. It's interesting. It kept me gripped from the beginning to the end. It wasn't like anything I had really seen before. And the general concept of it, without spoiling it too much, is that there's this scientist who his father has sadly just passed away and they were working on this very intense project together that was exploring memories and uh, mapping memories And he, after his dad dies, starts experimenting on himself and it results in his consciousness being split into 10 different areas. And I appreciated that it it delineated between dissociative identity disorder and what is going on here because I don't really love when DID is used as like a plot point like you have in Split with uh, James McAvoy. But I thought this was a unique take on it and and made sure that it wasn't like, oh, this, this is not DID, this is something he's done to himself by running this experiment and again I just thought it was I thought it was so good I know part of that is probably because I know him but I mean I went into it looking at my sister I'm like what if this really sucks because I'm like I 
put out a lot of content that really sucks. If you go back to my beginning podcast, I mean, it's a it's a rough and bumpy ride. So I'm like, I can't imagine having my first directorial debut. Like, it would be a shit show. If I went out there and tried to direct a video, I mean, like, I, I like to think that it would be okay, but let's be real, it, w- it would be a complete shit show. But I'm happy to report that it was not bad at all. It was very good. And um, apparently Anna had some voice acting in it and I was trying to listen out for her part, but I I could not hear it. I think because the part she did, they kind of garbled and put sound effects over. So I couldn't tell that it was her. But I told Eric, I'm like, I have a few goals in life, a few bucket list items, and those are to go to um, some movie festivals with you guys because he has gone to Sundance before, South by Southwest, and to have a either acting or voice credit in one of your videos. Voice credit is probably more likely. I'm a lot more comfortable on the mic than I am in front of the camera, as you guys can probably tell by what I'm doing here. Um, but I just like I know I just keep like being such a geek and being like how cool it is, but I think it's so cool. And I think it's also hilarious that he can direct a whole movie, yet when he's taking a picture of us at weddings, I have to remind him not to chop off our feet. So we have some work to do, Eric, in that realm. But I love you guys. I'm so I'm just so proud of you. And um, yeah, that's your legit shit for this week. Again, I thought I put it at the beginning to give it the attention it deserves. Oh, and I'm sorry, just to circle back to some Taylor Swift items because I'm clearly not over it. I wanted to discuss who I think some of the vault songs are about. So the conceit with Taylor's vault songs is that they were apparently allegedly written at the time that the album was written, but just didn't see the light of day for whatever reason. My theory is that there is at least inklings of these songs back then, but she clearly has polished them and updated them for today's times. Um, Going through some of the vault songs, so... Babe and Better Man were actually recorded before for other recording artists. So Babe was for Sugarland and Better Man was recorded for Little Big Town. So from the new songs, we have Nothing New, which features Phoebe Bridgers. That one is a gut punch song, which again, I don't tend to like, but they both sound beautiful on it. I don't, that one's not about anyone in particular, I would say. I think that one's more about just being a woman and the struggles of that. (laughs) A Message in a Bottle, clearly about Harry Styles because she was the only British man she had openly dated at this time. And one of the lyrics is asking him how London is. Again, I told you that's one of my favorites. So that tracks. Run, I also believe is about Harry. This one features Ed Sheeran. I say Harry, and these are my own things. I have not looked up any internet theories on this, so I could be completely wrong in my takes, and let me know your thoughts. Run featuring Ed Sheeran, I think is about Harry because it mentions a paper on a necklace, and they famously wore matching paper plane necklaces, and he wore a key necklace around this time, which is also referenced in the lyrics. Uh I Bet You Think About Me is another one I definitely think is about Jake Gyllenhaal. This is kind of one about her insecurities with this guy who's from Beverly Hills and has all these fancy discussions with his fancy friends. And she's like, I'm just a little girl from the farm, which I found ironic because while, yes, Taylor Swift grew up in a farm, a Christmas tree farm in Pennsylvania, her dad has always been a financial advisor with Merrill Lynch. And at eight years old, she said she also wanted to be a financial 
advisor. So I don't think he was really hurting for money. And I think she was probably in some pretty elevated crowds herself. But again, Jake is from Los Angeles. And this one just it has to be about her. And especially after seeing the short film where you see them at this party and She's like, you didn't even, you dropped my hand, like you were ignoring me in favor of your friends. And that's very much the same themes you see in I Bet You Think About Me, which features Chris Stapleton, has a lot of country twang to it. I really like the very first night. I don't know if I've really given too much thought about who I think that one's about. But to give you context, at this point in time, her favorite boyfriend, her favorite, her famous boyfriends were Taylor Lautner, uh, Joe Jonas, Jake Gyllenhaal, Harry Styles. I might be missing one, but those were the main players. So that's who you are going to have as being potential bows that these songs are written about. And it's also worth remembering that while now and since some of her later albums, Taylor really likes to uh, take on fictional stories and create a story with her lyrics at the time when red came out i think she was pulling largely from personal experience like i knew your trouble is about harry styles so that's just my thought on that i couldn't continue recording without addressing my thoughts all right now officially moving on from taylor swift we might circle back though who knows Oh my God, guys, I almost forgot another thing near and dear to my heart that I'm so proud of and was also a huge moment in pop culture for me this week. My little brother uh, interns with uh, South Florida Insider. Uh, They're a publication and for some reason they scored an interview or maybe my brother scored it. I'm not really sure who instigated this with John Reese Davies and Brittany Bristow. Brittany Bristow has starred in a lot of Hallmark films. She seems like a complete delight. And John Reese Davies as is just a movie star, but I think, you know, maybe what you might know him from is Gimli in the Lord of the Rings series. So he filmed them for an upcoming movie they have coming out called Shadow Town. And I have to insert this part because you know it is an ongoing question in this podcast as to whether you are a Legolas or an Aragorn type of person. So please enjoy. Um, And then finally, before I let you guys go, because I'm going to have to let you go soon, um, but it has been a pleasure talking to you. When I told my sisters, though, that I was going to be interviewing Gimli from Lord of the Rings, A, they lost it, and B, they begged me to ask this question, so I need to know, uh, Legolas or Aragorn? There it is. (laughs) First and foremost, it's Gimli. Right? With all due modesty, one can clearly say that uh, Lord of the Rings is really a dwarf's leadership story about how he took a young hobbit all the way to Mount Doom in order to redeem and save the world. It's a common dwarf story, <laughs> I have to tell you, uh, with the assistance of uh, one or two others, including a pointy-eared devil who keeps doing that with his bow and arrow and cheating all the darn time. Right. And I love your sister. <laughs> well, thank oh, you so much. That was amazing. Pointy-eared devil. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Just to give a little context there, 
he there's that pause in his answer because he literally puts on his Gimli helmet to give the answer and he switches his voice to sound like Gimli and he doesn't give us a straight answer. He basically says he's a Gimli gal is what I, I take from that um, and calls Legolas a, a pointy-eared devil, which I mean, yes. <laughs> oh, but I just loved that Trey, my brother, asked that and uh, I mean, he's killing it and everybody movie stars, look at him go. Oh, and I'd be remiss to say before we get into our articles that, in case you haven't heard, Paul Rudd was named People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive for this year. I think that was well-deserved. As we all know, he's a vampire and doesn't age. I actually have not read the interview yet, so I might have to include that next week's uh, episode, but I just wanted you guys to be aware in case you were, you know, living under a rock. All right, we are finally getting to our first article of the day. This is from The Strategist, you know, part of New York Mag, and it's What Chef Jacques Therese Can't Live Without. You guys know I love following these because voyeuristically, I love knowing what celebs use, what they go to. He, They're always promoting something when they do one of these lists. So he's promoting a partnership he did with uh, the Jacques Pepin Foundation, and it's a bonbon made with Woodford Reserve. In case you're interested, that's what he's uh, pimping out here. And I found, I just found the whole thing very charming. I watch Nailed It largely because I am so obsessed with Jacques on it. I He is the shining star of that show. It's objectively in kind of an awful stupid show like it's it's mindless it's something you want to put on like when you're working and just need something light and fluffy in the background probably like how you do with this podcast um but I just find him so endearing on it and one of the first things he has on the list is a wine bottle insulator it's $90 it's from Vin Gloss and he talks about how he's from the French city of Bandol I'm so sorry if I'm butchering the pronunciation of that, but apparently they're really known for their rosé, and he tells this little story. He says, I was in Ibiza, and my cousin used to go to all the restaurants over there to sell wine. We drank together one day, and he kept the bottle on ice, then served us half an inch to three quarters of an inch in a glass. That's it. But he poured frequently. I asked him, Lucas, why do you serve so little wine? He says, because I want you to enjoy it cold. It is 100 degrees outside. The wine will warm quickly if left out. I didn't even think about that. He's a smart man. Now I do that too, except instead of an ice bucket, I use this cooler. I keep it on my table and it keeps my wine very cold. It's easy to travel with too. And now I want to live this life. Like I want to pour myself an inch of rosé. I mean, very chic, no? And then the exact rosé he recommends, in case you're wondering, is the Domaine Tempier Bendol rosé. It's $49. It's uh, apparently available at Vivino. And then I love that he... He talks about how much he loves peanuts, but he can no longer use them in his factory because it's a deadly allergy, so they're banned from his factory. But he says that his father loved peanuts, and they used to watch TV together and eat peanuts. And his stance is that you have to have the shelled peanuts, like the ones – no, I'm sorry, the ones with a shell, which whenever I think of a peanut with a shell, I think of Texas Roadhouse. Have you all been to a Texas Roadhouse? It's so essential to, like, house as many peanuts as possible and throw the peanut shells on the floor. It's just – it's part of the experience. Oh, those rolls. Oh, fuck me up with those rolls. Um, So he says when he came to America, he started to research the best place to buy peanuts in the shell because most Americans buy them already shelled. And so he got these big bags. They're from Whitley's Peanuts. And he 
it's so cute because he says he sits after dinner with his wife and he shells the peanuts and he eats them and he says you know how kids go outside to play during the day and it's just a time for them to do something they enjoy eating these is like my little recess for the day guys i just love shock um and then (laughs) he explains that he has these exfoliating gloves you know like the kind you put on and you use them to exfoliate yourself in the bath and he explains that when he was in France they have these kind of gloves that are a little bit different like they have a hole in them and he says one day I saw these exfoliating gloves in the supermarket that are similar but they have five fingers and you put them on both hands because he's like I used to have to switch hands with the French gloves he says I can now wash myself with two hands and it goes a lot faster it's kind of like the gloves I used to wash my boat I lived on a boat for six years and every time you come back to shore I put on these gloves to wash it I exfoliated my boat the same way I exfoliate myself it's a funny invention no Hey, I maybe just kind of love the idea of Jacques Torres like going at it in the shower with these little exfoliating gloves. Is that is that too risque? I also love a shower exfoliation. You know, one of my legit shits was the Necessaire. Uh, uh, which flavor do I have? The eucalyptus exfoliating wash. So, I mean, I might have to get some of these gloves because I, I, I love my little... I've, that's another legit shit I've had. Maybe this is why I'm drawn to this list because it feels like stuff I've recommended because I love those little... They're like African washing cloths that I think might be better than the gloves. But, you know, if Jacques likes it, I would give it a try. And then he has Levi's 511 Slim Fit Men's Jeans on here. And he says, I'm French and I think I look good in jeans. So jeans are my everyday piece of clothing. I mean, I love a man that's confident about his style. Like, get it. Um, anyways, I just found this whole thing really cute. I also learned from this that him and his wife have matching Cartier Trinity rings because he loved the fact that they were an infinite, infinite circle because they're meant to be together and they fit perfectly together. Uh, what a doll. Maybe buy his chocolates. $27 at Mr. Chocolate. I don't usually like hype up their brands when I go through one of these, but why the hell not? Sounds good to me. He also points out that in these bonbons, they don't cook down the bourbon before putting it in. So it's like, it's really got that little kick, you know, because usually when you cook down the whiskey, obviously the alcoholic nature of it cooks off. So I bet these pack a little punch. All right, next up, Kieran Culkin is the brother of Macaulay by Matthew Schneier. I feel like I just said his name really weird because I'm not used to saying Macaulay Culkin without the last name being with it. (laughs) Uh, And this is shocking to me as it is to Matthew that apparently it came to his attention that many people uh, do not know that Kieran is Macaulay's brother. Uh what? Hello? Are you okay? Uh, And his unscientific data suggests that these are mainly under 30s that this is news to. And as a fellow over 30-er, I am also shocked, but okay. So (laughs) if you don't know who Kieran is, he is currently uh, playing Roman Roy in succession. And uh, in my mind... A, I mean, his last name's Culkin. Like, you kind of just assume in Hollywood that when people have the last name that they're related. Maybe wrongfully so sometimes, but, you know, right in this situation. He's 39. Macaulay's 41. And um, I have to say, Macaulay Culkin in, in the most recent American Horror Story stole the show for me. I hope he is a recurring character on future seasons because he killed it. Like, I was obsessed with his character Minor spoiler alert, I feel like he was gone too soon. He didn't deserve to go the way he did. 
Uh, and Kieran does a great job. I've only watched part of season one of Succession, but he also is kind of a scene stealer in that. He plays such a perfect, like, impetuous little douche. Uh, I This article reminded me that Rory Culkin, who's 32, so he's my age, he was in Signs, which I forgot that he plays the little boy in Signs. Uh, a lot of them are in Hollywood or Hollywood adjacent. And I also didn't realize that Kieran plays the younger version of Macaulay and Richie Rich, which was like one of my fate, like all time favorite rewatch movies when I was a kid. I freaking loved Richie Rich. I don't know if I wanted to be with him or to be him, um, which probably, you know, has like carried over into like my my older life maybe that's something to examine through therapy (laughs) um anyways so there's a lot of other Culkins and I would say though that those are like the main the main ones you'd probably heard of so I just wanted to clear that up for anyone out there uh in case you were similarly struggling with knowing that fact it's shocking to me but you know we're here to educate on this podcast as well as have fun so you know just thought I'd I'd add to the discourse all right, our last article for the day, and it's a doozy. Uh, Do not fart near Camilla Parker Bowles by Danielle Cohen. So right now, uh, you know, all the higher ups are in Scotland discussing climate change at the COP26 summit. Is it COP26? I feel like I should know this. Um <laughs> But the Daily Mail reports that Camilla hasn't stopped talking about a fart that Biden admitted during a conversation she was having with him. The fart was, per the Daily Mail source, both long and loud and also impossible to ignore. <laughs> is this real? Like, the the is this the um, royals just really, like, having it out for Camilla and wanting to piss her off? Because we know, as we've discussed here on the past, that the tabloids and the royal family have a pretty tight relationship where they are very controlling of what the tabloids uh, give out. And it's a very, like, quid pro quo kind of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours sort of situation between the two of them. So I'm like, did Camilla just do something that really pissed them up, like pissed them off gearing up to the holidays? And they're like, well, we're going to plan a story that you can't stop talking about Biden's farts. I mean, it's just so petty. And as this uh, article points out, it says, is there not a discussing fart section in the royal etiquette curriculum? I can't believe Meghan Markle got in trouble for wearing nail polish and Camilla is allowed to do this which snaps i mean can you imagine if megan markle had been doing this she would have been skewered and it just makes me so mad like the tr- the disparate treatment megan received also i have to say uh megan and harry just had a little red carpet outing and she was wearing this stunning like low-cut red dress she she was glowing i i fucking loved it i mean i loved it i felt like that was one of the lower more revealing things she's worn uh, since she's been with Harry. And I like that clearly you can see she's getting a little bit out of the clasp of the royal family and wearing what she wants to wear and looking great doing it. (laughs) And um, I just like, I just don't know what to think about this story. Like Camilla, like, are you just trying to like seem like one, like seem down with the homies by talking about farts? Are you really into poop humor? A gal needs to know. Um, But also, Biden, like, 
what are you eating that you're like loudly farting during conversations? Like, couldn't you have held that in maybe a little longer? I also find this ironic because isn't it proven? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, people who are more knowledgeable about this, but isn't it proven that cow farts lead to methane production, which leads to global warming? Is that just an urban legend? But I mean, I feel feel like that's sort of an ironic tie-in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry to end you guys on that note uh, since we covered our legit shit earlier. But yeah, check out Eric's movie. Check out Trey's interview. Um, I linked both in the show notes. Well, actually, I didn't link to Eric's movie. Like I said, just search for Minor Premise on Hulu. But I linked Trey's interview. It's 18 minutes long. And have an amazing weekend just basking in all of this pop culture glory. I really had so much fun talking about these topics today and I hope to see you guys next week. Remember to subscribe, tell a friend. I would love if you, if there's a part that resonates with you, put it on your Instagram story and tag me at kind of cute podcast or at Bailey Evan. That way I can see your little mention, hit me up in the DMs. And if you want to be a true angel, please leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple podcasts. See you next week. Bye.